You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 101. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Pontus Böckmann and Brian Ego. Sziasztok! Hey, son, hey, son! All right, trips. <laughs> Hello there, Brian. Hello, good to hey. have you back. It's good to be back. And and once again, I'm on the show and Yelena is not here. Uh, I'm not taking it personally, but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like she is trying to avoid me. Yeah, it's, it's a bit suspicious, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, may, maybe there's some conspiracy yeah. theorists out there thinking that we are the same person. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I've seen worse conspiracies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Less likely. It's equally as plausible as many other ones we've heard. <laughs> yeah. But what makes it even even more suspicious is that we agreed that we, we are doing this show, the four of us together, and then she pulls out last minute. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm. uh, my okay. my thought is Yelena had too much to drink last night uh, and she's decided she's a bit hungover today and uh, it's all right, we got four, we can, we can lose one. But listen, I, I'm a bit hungover today as well and I'm still here, so let's... Uh, let, let's not be ducking out like that in the future, please. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Does that make over or not? Exactly. Does that make a huge difference for you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, it's just a normal day of the week. Brian's hungover. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm pretty sure there is a specific reason uh, why you're with us today. Well, indeed, indeed there is. So I haven't seen you guys since the the fun and games we had at QED. Um, uh, And by the way, congratulations on your Ockham Award. And also congratulations on uh, on hitting um, episode number 100. Uh, That's uh, some some pretty big stuff going on there. But yeah, so... um, during uh, QED, I was actually, um, myself and Sean Slater from Edinburgh Skeptics were hosting the uh, Skeptics in the Pub workshop. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a, fant- a fantastic hour with a number of other um, Skeptics in the Pub organisers um, to, to sort of spend some time together and talk through a little bit of best practice and figure out yeah. who's doing what well and who's doing what not so well. Um, and in, in the run up to that, um, just as in the sort of month before QED, I was actually running a survey. I think you guys mentioned it a couple of times. Thank you for that. And I was really trying to encourage as many skeptics in the pub groups as possible to to sort of fill in a little survey or in fact a, a big survey that I'd put together in order to try and sort of I guess take the pulse of of the skeptics in the pub movement uh, and see how many active groups we had and how many events they were running and uh, and I got some very very interesting feedback from it. It, it, it was an investigation more than anything else, really. Okay. Um, I mean, if anyone goes to the, uh, if you you look for skeptics in the pub UK, you get to the SITP uh, UK website and there's a map on there which sort of um purportedly shows all of the skeptics group uh, across the world and and there's a lot of points on those on those maps um including like 50 something in the UK alone and it was always my thought like oh you know the particularly being in the UK we've got 
what appears to be a very, very healthy set of sceptics groups across the country. Turns out it's maybe not not quite as healthy as you may have thought. So um, I got, I think, response from like 28 out of those 53 groups. So the suspicion is that, well, uh, the, the other 20 or so either don't like me very much and are trying to avoid me <laughs> or, or may have fizzled out. And and that's and that's what we've seen in in quite a few um, you know other places around the world as well um, is that you know I I think there was a I guess a, the the heyday of the skeptics movement back in twenty two thousand nine twenty ten um, where lots of groups popped up out of nothing and and you know since then it's kind of settled down a bit uh, and and we've lost a few of those groups along the way so um, you know. The, the the non-responses I got, I'm kind of considering them as missing in action. Maybe they're still up and going, but we don't know. And it's the same across the rest of uh, the rest of the world as well. Um, so, I, I mean, that being said, you know, we, we've got a lot of groups running a lot of events. And, you know, over the last sort of the year running up to QED, um, you know, across the globe, for those that responded, we were up around the 500 mark for a number of events kind of skeptics in the pub events that have been held. So, you know, the 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 skeptic in the pub movement or organizations, even though they act individually, collectively speaking, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Of course, as people can see, if they look in your events calendar, there's stuff going on every single week in many different cities across across Europe and and obviously further afield. So um there's the you know during the the the, the sort of build up to QED I was I was in contact with uh, Tim Mendham from the Australian Skeptics uh, quite a lot, and you know they're they're very well organised bunch of folks, um, and uh, they're actually going to be putting an article in their in their December magazine. Um, so you'll be able to see um, a lot of the stats and information that we gathered there. In addition to that, um, I'm be sharing some information in the Skeptics in the Pub Organizer group on Facebook. So um, anybody listening out there, if you are a Skeptics in the Pub Organizer or you'd like to become one or you're just interested, that's a good Facebook group to join. Um, you can always friend me on Facebook and ask me to add you in there if you want. Um, we, as I say, we had a lot of great discussions with uh, fellow organisers at QED, and we want to try and continue those discussions um, online during the rest of the year, just sharing hints and tips about how to get people through the door and all the sorts of challenges that we have about finding speakers and venues and publicising and that sort of thing. So um, get in touch if you want to know more. And as I say, look out for that article um, from the Australian Skeptics coming very soon. I was at QD, as you know, and I wanted to go to the, the, the work, work group, but I went to the wrong room and then I was too embarrassed to, to get up and leave. So <laughs> it'll be very good to join the discussions afterwards like this. <laughs> With the amount of choice people had at QED, um, I, I don't think, uh, I don't <laughs> think I was offended at your lack of attendance. We, we, we had a good number of people in that workshop. Uh, so, um, no feelings hurt. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's very good. To good. Know. Speaking about uh, following up on congresses and, and uh, meetups like that, uh, I can tell you that the European Skeptics Congress has now uploaded all the videos from, from that event to their YouTube channels. So we will link to that. So even if you couldn't be there, there's plenty of time to, to catch up online by looking at the, these speakers delivering their talks. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. 
So I, I, I don't know. I did not miss too many of those, but uh, there still were a couple. So it it will be very nice to finally get around to, to watch them. Yeah. I know there was a, a, a talk by Iran Segev from Australian Skeptics, which I'm very interested in checking out. And, I, and I'm certainly going to be oh, posting yeah. that for the other the other Skeptics organisers to look at as well. It seems like the Aussie Skeptics have uh, really got their heads screwed on nicely when it comes to how they run their organisation. Oh, you know, and there is another organisation uh, which ha- now has a European branch and, and that was represented uh, at the conference by Sophie Van Turnut. Oh my God! Sense about science EU. The amount of stuff that they're after, that and 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 what what they're up to, it's it's mind blowing. And yeah, I, I really love sense about science and what what they do for the EU is is also amazing. So that is another one to check out. But but all the rest of them are, um, except for one. But uh, I'm not going to tell you who gave that talk. <laughs> I can guess. <laughs> And I'm not talking about the guy talking about uh, what is it? What was it? Exorcism. Uh, exorcisms. Exorcisms. No, no. Yeah. That was worth. That was worth giving a good listen. It, it was a little bit like listening to be reasonable in a way. Yeah, and it was equally annoying. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah the, the podcast <laughs> with Michael Marshall. Yeah. It's tough listening sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's it's almost impossible for me. All right. Oh, and here's the point where I usually introduce Yelena and ask her to um, tell us about the story, uh, something that is called This Week in Skepticism. And since Yelena is not with us today, it falls on me to accomplish this task. It is the end of November. And in 1989, something very, very special happened. And that was a sighting. The thing that was seen by some, later turned out to be many, is a a flat triangular shape, well-lit kind of object flying in the sky. And uh, that was the beginning of something that is called the Belgian UFO wave. Something that was taken a photo of, one single photo of the whole event, that is reported to have been seen by 13,500 people altogether, 2,600 of, of uh, whom actually filed written statements. At least this is what the ufologists of uh, Belgium described. It, it started on the 29th of November, 1989, and it lasted all the way to the 30th and the 31st of March, 1990. So, well, it was not half a year, it was about four, four months. But uh, as the story started to develop, uh, there was one reporting of the event, um, obviously in the news, and then started the, the whole wave of uh, of sightings, that, so reported sightings. The interesting part of this is that it was investigated by an organization that is called, um, I'm going to try to say the, the, the Belgian name of it, Société Belge d'Études des Phénomènes Spatiaux. Olé. Uh, which, oh well, <laughs> I'm not sure I pronounced it well. It. <laughs> yeah, or not. But it's uh, it translates to Belgian Society for the Study of Space Phenomena 
which is a very cool sounding name because space phenomena could be anything from planets to uh, deep sky objects or uh, uh, anything. Well, it's not their focus. Their focus is UFOs. And uh, the the abbreviation of this uh, organization, the name of the organization, is SOBEPS. It really got the attention of uh, media outside of Belgium as well, including, much, much later, the, the attention of Brian Dunnings. So uh, in 2016, in September, he ran a show, uh, his show being The Skeptoid, uh, a weekly show uh, with the title The Belgian UFO Wave. And uh, he really goes into a, a lot of detail about how the story developed and how there were witnesses and uh, there were even two people who belonged to uh, local authorities, uh, at least reportedly. And uh, ever since they, st- they jumped on the story and started the investigations, every single report or almost every single report, nearly all the information that came out of this investigation uh, were from this Belgian UFO organization. That's a bit of a red flag there. But then came into the picture someone else uh, who's called um, a Belgian psychologist who's called Dr. Jean-Michel Abrassard and who who wrote his PhD thesis on the leading science-based explanation for mass UFO sightings. So the title of of his uh, thesis is The Psychological Model of the UFO Phenomenon, an Interpretive Framework in Social Sciences, which is very cool. I mean, mean, it sounds absolutely exciting, and uh, it must be a very good read. Haven't haven't checked it out yet. But um, he concludes that, and, and I'm quoting, Once news coverage leads the public to believe that UFOs may be in the vicinity, there are numerous natural and man-made objects which, especially when seen at night, can take, an un- take on unusual characteristics in the minds of hopeful viewers. Their UFO reports in turn add to the mass excitement, which encourages still more observers to watch for UFOs. This situation feeds upon itself until such time as the media lose interest in the subject, and then the flap quickly runs out of steam. And I think this sums up pretty well uh, what this phenomenon and what this UFO uh, wave must have been about. There is no evidence of uh, of that such a UFO encounter has ever really happened. And considering the fact that there is only one photo, imagine if there are uh, 13,000 people seeing something, they would have taken a photo for sure, at least, at least a few of them, not one uh, photo that is, that, that lacks anything of a reference point. I believe that uh, about that photo, I believe I read somewhere that the guy who took that photo actually confessed to being that it was a hoax that he exactly fa- he that faked. was a fake so there yeah. was only one photo and that was faked and that turned out to be fake mm. so what what do we base our our whole uh, excitement on so yeah it's 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 a very interesting phenomenon in social psychology i, I believe which is much more worthy of an in- investigation to be run than uh, an alleged UFO sighting into whether it was really aliens visiting Earth. So I think the psychological point of view is much more interesting and intriguing. So that's that's worth noting. And this has been This Week in Skepticism. Mm. 
Very interesting. Actually, I, I took a look yeah. at the uh, Wikipedia page because I knew, I thought Jelena was going to talk about this. Uh, so I looked at the Wikipedia page and it's actually quite an interesting exercise for a skeptic to look, to read that Wikipedia page because mm -hmm. the first part of it almost entirely lacks citations. It, there's only, mm -hmm. and all the citations, I think there are three maybe on a long, long, well, lots of text and only three citations and they all go to these Uh, ufology investigators yeah. and then some skeptic or few skeptics i believe have written the rest of the wikipedia page and there's lots of very credible uh citations there so it's also a way yeah, of yeah. looking at the wikipedia page trying to find out figure out uh, what sounds plausible here or not yeah from yeah. the point that where it, there is um, um, a segment that said skeptical explanations yes yeah exactly. that's w very well referenced from then on mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, the other thing is that the structure of the of the page is not very good i mean uh, it's not in a good shape uh, there is no lead uh, it's 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 just a, a little piece uh, just one sentence it's it's not really enough uh, but to be fair It's uh, it's a pretty pretty good sign of the the, the editor be editors being skeptical that uh, it the the use of the word purported sightings uh, right in the lead, yeah. which is yeah. which which makes it much more credible. But then the sightings, uh, I would be in the wording of the 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 sightings explanation, I would be a bit more skeptical. I would um, try to to keep a bit more distance because now it seems like a list of statements of facts, which it is not. Yeah. Yeah. You see how these things play out in the pre-internet age yeah. as well. I mean, the the fact that those sightings went on for the best part of a year and we only got yeah, yeah. one picture... Um, you know, it, it, it speaks volumes in and of itself. You would imagine yeah. that with this kind of um, level of, should we say, excitement going around in Belgium, and there's not much to get excited about in Belgium, so surely <laughs> people would have been had their cameras out and looking towards the skies as much as possible. But, you know, I, I think these sort of things fizzle out a lot quicker now in the, in the yeah. internet era simply because, you know, well, we're certainly aware of, Uh, you know, strange things that can happen in the sky. In fact, there was an even more recent episode of Skeptoid that, that covered a, a different set of sightings and, you know, the the, the strong possibility is it was sm small aircraft um, flying information on a regular basis and that was giving the impression of a much larger, strange-shaped object mm -hmm. moving across yeah. the sky. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. But let me just mention one, one more thing. Um, um, I probably talked about that uh, on several occasions that uh, James Randi established an award for uh, skepticism uh, back in Hungary in, in the 1990s and uh, it was for essays uh, written by students and uh, and um, if, if they had a skeptical point of view and uh, very good skeptical explanations or investigations so the first one to be awarded was uh, two guys who started doing crop circles and they fooled the whole country because they went on and, and everyone was crazy uh, about these, these crop circles. And then they went on to a talk show and, uh, and they, they told everyone how, the, how they, they had made these crop circles. So it was an absolute blast. And then came the second one, 
uh, a friend of mine who t- took a photo of the the dome of the the public observatory of my hometown. It was a bit overlit, and thus it looked like a UFO. So he quickly um, jotted down um, a made up, completely made up story of how it was taken, and it was picked up by a UF the the UFO magazine, <laughs> and it went absolutely viral in the age before the age of the internet. Yeah, almost as if they're really desperate for content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, and and people were actually phoning in to to tell that they they saw the UFO as well. Oh, it was a completely made up story. Wow, <laughs> Jesus! Yeah. So he was the second. Awesome. He was the second awardee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Belgian UFO wave, but there are a couple of other things to talk about this week. So uh, let's move on to our news items. Yeah, so let me let me take you back just over a week now um, to an, a web update from Sally LePage. I think you guys know Sally. She's a pretty well-known uh, biologist mm-hmm. and science communicator. Mm-hmm. So an amazing one of that. It, it, yeah, very good. Um, so it turns out that Sally's parents um, gave her a shout because they had somebody from the local water company who um, apparently was wandering about their property with quote-unquote bent tent pegs. Um, trying to figure out, uh, trying to find some water. So are you guys familiar with the term dowsing? I would imagine you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've even so what's tried your understanding it. of what dowsing is? Oh, have you? Yeah. Uh, okay. And how successful are you? Not very. Yeah. I, I, was, I was slightly worse than chance. Oh, oh. slightly worse than chance. Which is, which is an interesting phenomenon, actually. So yeah, so so dowsing or water witching or water divining, as it's called, is the um, the ancient art of um, holding a piece of uh, well, a couple of pieces of metal or maybe uh, sticks or a single stick in order to try and divine water. It's been around for approximately five hundred years, apparently. Must be true then. Yeah, must be true. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, it came as great surprise to to Sally that in this modern day and age. Um, representatives from their water, their local water company were using this kind of outdated technique. Now, being a good sceptic as Sally is, she didn't leave it there. So what she did this week, she got in contact with, uh, with Severn Trent Water um, to ask, uh, this is via Twitter, to ask what their policy was. And again, she took some extra time to contact the other 11 um, water uh, organisations across the UK. Um, again, all via Twitter to figure out how many of them actually still use dowsing. So do you want to guess out of 12, gentlemen, how many? 13. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> unlucky for some. I would say seven. Okay. Pontus, uh, you want to go higher? All of them, I think, yeah. Okay, well, you were close. It was it was 10 out of 12. Wow. Um, mm. uh, confirmed via Twitter that, that they use that they use dowsing it in some some way, shape, or form. Now, um, you know that's that's kind of disappointing. Again, it's 2017, and it took a lot. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of coverage about this. Um, you know, across the skeptical community, a lot of people really surprised about it, myself included. Um, a few others not. They kind of said, "Well, you know, what? Where's the surprise here?" Um, 
But yeah, it certainly took me by storm. Um, and, you know, it got picked up by a whole bundle of uh, other um, organisations, The Guardian, The Independent, BBC, um, Art Technica, NPR, IFLS, The Daily Mail, The Telegraph, The Mirror, all picked up on this story. And, and, and promoted Sally's uh, initial kind of up, update in a, in a pretty positive light and, and in a kind of a pro-skeptic, a pro-science kind of light. Um, so, you know, the, a lot of the, the, the water companies have, uh, I guess, tried to backtrack a little bit with regards to how much they actually rely on dowsing. Um, you know, Welsh Water even deleted one of their tweets, um, which, again, that's not how the internet works, Welsh Water. Um, <laughs> thankfully, Sally taking a screenshot of that. So, you know, some some of the companies have sort of said, look, you know, well, uh, we, we don't we don't promote it, but some of our technicians may have some dowsing rods and they may use it, um, you know, if all other methods have failed. So what's your thoughts on that, guys? Is that acceptable or is that not acceptable? It's complete waste of time. I mean, there's been so much investigation into this and, and it, uh, as Andra says, it performs probably worse than chance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's my thoughts as well. And I, I, again, there's there's a few accusations here and there that that us as skeptics are are worrying and wasting our time and energy on things that don't cause that much trouble or don't, not that much hassle. Um, and this may fall into that. But you know, considering that you know, if you live in the UK, you don't really have a choice as to who supplies your water. Yet you are paying for that service. Now, me as a as a consumer. If I, for a moment, thought that somebody under the employment of Scottish Water was wandering around with dowsing rods on company time, then that is absolutely they are spending money on dowsing, if not directly, indirectly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, if you look at any of the articles that, uh, in any of the, the, the news outlets that picked it up, the, the depressing part is in the comments area. So in the comments area, you're pretty much seeing, well, there's a fair amount of scepticism, obviously, but a lot of people in there saying, I've seen it work. It worked for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same old arguments that you see. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying our best, uh, you know, certainly Glasgow skeptics are and Edinburgh skeptics are trying to be as diplomatic as possible uh, when responding to people like that and actually saying, okay, well, let's let's test it, let's test it. So, you know, um, I'll use this outlet as well to say if there's anyone listening uh, in, the, in Scotland and you think that you can prove that dowsing works, we would happily set up a test for you, Glasgow skeptics or edinburgh skeptics whichever's closer we can work together and again we've already spoken about it there's skeptical organizations across europe and across the globe if you want to prove it then you're more than welcome to do so but in the meantime we have to go with all of the studies that have been carried out and all of the tests that have been carried out and as far as we can see it doesn't work so please water companies um let's move into the modern era and leave the witchcraft behind yeah here here yeah, now that we're talking about water, there is um, um, a very nice allegory um, used by Laura Bordrini, who's the president of the Chamber of Deputies in the Italian Parliament. And what she said was very interesting. She says, Fake news stories are like drops of poison into the water that we drink every day, and we end up infected without even realizing it. I really like that analogy. Yeah. Wow. It is powerful. Yeah. So what the Italian parliament came up with and uh, the Chamber of Deputies 
um, led by uh, Laura Bodrini, was a new program uh, initiated in 8,000 schools across Italy. Uh, and it went into effect uh, right at the beginning of this uh, this month, uh, November. So um, actually, it started in uh, the, uh, on the 31st of October. And what it does is they try to uh, give tasks to the, to the students in which they need to identify fake news and they need to find out if the sources uh, used by, by some of the reportings are actually real and reliable. Obviously, it's not going to be an easy, easy task, not only for children, but uh, even for, for teachers who would like to present these tasks and try to control the execution of the task. The effort itself is very significant and very important. Mm. And it it was preceded by uh, a lot of discussion and the Ministry of Education is in is, is all in support of this uh, this trial period of this program. So uh, we'll keep an, a close eye eye on this and and how it develops in the future. Uh, but the initiative itself is a very promising one. Yeah. So well done. Hmm? Well, done, yeah, Italy. well done, Italy. Yeah. 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 I think that's the way to do it as well. Instead of trying to to kill every fake thing one by one, let's teach people how to to investigate and judge for themselves. Yeah, but the, the, the real challenge is to have teachers who are ready to do that because they are capable of running such an investigation themselves. Yeah. yeah. So if, if they yeah. don't have those specific tools and, and skills, then the whole thing will, will not work. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I've heard I've heard some some talk of some studies in the past, usually on on students about their ability to spot not so much fake news, but just differentiate between sponsored content and regular mm-hmm. content on social yeah. media. Yeah, uh, and the yeah. the results were were not encouraging. But no. <laughs> this is the type of thing that if you if you shine the spotlight on it and you spend a little time discussing it and you you show some of the the tricks that are used, then it's it's not the most difficult thing in the world to 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 spot. So the fact just the fact that they're actually paying some attention to it and trying to run a program on it, I, I'm I'm sure it's going to harvest some good results for us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and and she um this this woman Laura Boldrini she she cites. A research um, that shows that 80% of students don't recognize the difference between an article and an advertising. So it it, it really resonates very well what you just said. Uh, so it's it's absolutely needed. It's absolutely needed. And uh, I would really love to see more and more schools running with this and just pick it up and run with it. Okay. For sure. All right. Uh, let's move on to Austria, uh, where in Vienna on the no- on November the twenty fourth, the Goldenes Bretz Award was announced. Goldenes Bretz roughly translates to the Golden Board or something like that. And it's a satire prize awarded by the Austrian skeptics, and they are part of uh, GWP or the German Skeptics Organization. This award has been given since uh, 2011, and this year's receiver was the King of Germany, no less. The King of Germany? (laughs) Is is there such a person? Well, (laughs) that's the question. Does Germany have a king? Uh, Not anymore, I think. Well, it seems like it. Uh, His name is Peter, and he has a driver's license to prove it. 
I had not heard about this guy before, but he apparently is one of these so-called Freeman of the Land nuts that claim ah, okay. that. I thought, okay. I thought yeah. his surname was Koenig, and no, 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 that uh, means king. His yeah. uh, his surname, his real surname is Fitzek. Uh, Fitzek. But Fitzek, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the Freeman of the Land guys, they they claim that they don't have to abide by any rules or laws because they are somehow not valid or not agreed to in advance or blah, 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 blah. So uh, this Peter Fitzek uh, is a New Age author and leader of a movement that claimed that the Federal Republic of Germany does not exist. So he has declared the Kingdom of Germany and appointed himself king. Uh, he has created his own national bank to which his supporter can pay him. And then he also went on to create a new currency called Engelgeld or angel money. That sounds serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Great. And um, yeah, as mentioned, he printed himself a driver's license to prove that he is the king because it says so on his license that he printed himself. Good job. Is it? Is is that how you confirm royalty? Uh, like if like if Prince Charles turned up at my house, would I ask have to ask him to show me his driving license before I let him in the door? I mean, if you're a royal, you shouldn't need a driving license anyway. Surely, surely he's got some <laughs> horse drawn carriage or something to carry him around <laughs> the come, place, right? Or, or, or come, someone to know. drive drive the car for him. Yeah, he has yeah. actually been been um, uh, sentenced for fraud as well. I don't know exactly what what <laughs> the, his uh, sentence was, but he is uh, apparently quite a character. And uh, it sounds like he was a very deserving uh, receiver of this Golden Esbretz award. Oh, uh, um, he'll is he allowed to have that in his jail cell when he goes to prison? Then, or I, I don't know. As long as it's got no sharp edges, I guess that will be fine. Because <laughs> that's usually the case with the, the the free man in the land type people. You know, they're they're very very vociferous until such point as. You know, they inevitably get arrested for something and uh, <laughs> and charged and fined for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's a good thing that you guys mentioned charging people for for something that they've done, because uh, we've covered the case of Paolo Macchiarini um, on several occasions, I think, on the on the show. Paolo Macchiarini. Do you know who the, who that is, um, Brian? I might have made an awful joke the last time I was on about him inventing the Macarena. Um, and and oh, that's yeah. all that I've got in my head at the moment. <laughs> hey, Macarini. So he did invent a couple of things. Um, for example, synthetic tracheas that turned out not to be working, actually. And uh, it resulted in um, a couple of people dying as a result, um, uh, dying uh, after uh, surgery. And uh, five cases altogether. Well, out of the five, four people died. Everyone had hoped that uh, this would result in uh, him being uh, prosecuted, which uh, doesn't seem to be the case. And a Swedish prosecutor uh, has announced that they won't continue any investigations into the case. So that means that case is closed. It will be dealt with as a simple scientific uh, misconduct. And she, uh, he will not be charged with uh, manslaughter. 
Yeah. Now it's it, yeah, it's quite a scandal, really, because he he it was is. it was not just that he failed on these surgeries. Uh, he also it demonstrated that the the research he did uh, included uh, frauds and and pictures that exactly. had been altered and stuff like that. So it was really sloppy research. And then he went on. He was maybe uh, you never know what people think, but say, let's say he was convinced that it would work. But uh, and then he went on to to basically experiment on these five different people. It's very, very questionable. I don't understand yeah. why he's not being prosecuted. No, I, I, I wonder how much those people knew about the um, the treatment they were going to receive and how well yeah. uh, proven it was. But they, they were given false hope. There's a fair amount of deception going on there for sure. Exactly. Got to be, or at least plain delusion, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm sure the patients did not have any reason to, to yeah. doubt uh, what's happening, but it has come out that there were a lot of warning signals before that, and uh, so much so, actually, that the Karolinska Institutet, which is the yeah. the, the place Dismiss where he him. was working, uh, got the Swedish Skeptics Award for, well, the anti-award, the, the, our version of the, of the Golden Esbret last year. <laughs> but but uh, they eventually dismissed him uh, for for this very case. But but it was I, I believe it was too late. Mm. I'm I'm quite convinced that it sh- should have happened much much earlier. Yeah. But um, if not for anything else, okay, don't treat it as manslaughter because there could be several points where where it it, it could um, go off track. But at least don't stop investigating the case because it has several issues. The whole series of events that led to the death of the, the, those four people yeah. had many, many ref, red flags just popping up along the way. And those should be investigated for, for further reference so that it doesn't happen again because it could. Absolutely. People uh, who are ill, who, who need uh, surgical intervention, they will keep trusting these people who they believe know what they're talking about. Yeah, and apparently, apparently Macchiarini was just just a star uh, without really having the all the all the merit that 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 he he got. Yeah, and there are criminal sanctions in the history of science. Uh, uh, Retraction Watch mentions that the first one happened in 1979, and there have been 39 science researchers from seven countries that have been criminally sanctioned for research misconduct since yeah. then. Yeah. So it could be done, and and what? So yeah, okay. Not I'm not going to ramble on about that about this, but I think it was very important to mention this. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I believe this has been all the news items that we had prepared for today. So uh, why don't we move on to another segment, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, the favorite of many of our listeners, uh, Really Wrong, presented by Pontus Bergman. All right. There is an image making the rounds in the anti-vax movement at the moment, and it shows a newborn baby with the text, uh, I am one of the babies that died of SIDS, caught death, 
after getting the 6-in-1 vaccine. My death was excluded from official reports. And then there's a hashtag I can't forget and excluded is in capital letters. Mm. Uh, so this image uh, was first published by an Italian anti-vaccination organization called Corvelva. And there are versions of it in different languages as well. Uh, there is a lot of problem with this picture, but one is the most obvious. The child in the picture is actually alive and well and now reportedly five years old. And there's only one thing correct uh, with that, with the statement, and that is that that child was vaccinated. So he's healthy. Corvelva <laughs> has just stolen this picture from a provider of, of generic pictures. It's, uh, it is called shutterstock.com. And Corvelva have just blurred out the face of the child, but the image is perfectly recognizable. If you put the original besides the, the, this picture, there's no doubt it's the same picture. And they clearly used it illegally. But can you imagine being the parent of that child and seeing it online? as reported dead. That's just one aspect of the whole thing, but it, it, it's terrible. They No consideration at all. No, they don't uh, have any... I, I'm lost for words. I think it's really horrific. Mm. But I couldn't yeah. just leave it there, though, when I looked at this news. Uh, I fell into a, what became a rabbit hole of trying to find out if there is any claim that there is a six-in-one vaccine which is linked to uh, SIDS or, or sudden infant death syndrome. So after some digging, I actually found a link to a paper from, from this anti-vaccination group. And they linked to a paper published in the Indian Journal of Medical Ethics, published on the 5th of September this year. And it is called Infanrix Hexa, that's the name of the vaccine, Infanrix Hexa and, the, and Sudden Death, a review of the periodic safety report submitted to the European Medicines Agency. And I, I actually spent quite some time trying to analyze this paper. Uh, it's not long, but it's hard to follow in, in many respects because it's mostly anomaly hunting and speculation. Uh, the ground for the text in the image that there are hidden statistics about SIDS and this vaccine is that there is an inconsistency between two reports, both published by GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, which is a pharmacological uh, big pharma, <laughs> big pharma company. Uh, in one report from 2011, there is a table that does not quite agree with a newer version of uh, the same report from 2015. The numbers are showing spontaneously reported cases of sudden death in the 19 days after receiving this Infanrix vaccine uh, for babies in their second year. So it's, it's just one table out of many statistics there. And there is a difference of three deaths between the two tables. So this is self-reported cases. So there's no proven link between the vaccine and the death that happened within these 19 days of after taking the shot. The older table shows eight deaths and the newer shows five deaths. And this can be compared with, and this is in 19 days after taking the shot. This can comp be compared with the expected general rate, which would be 11 deaths looking at the, mm. the population in general. 
it is correct that uh, the two tables should be consistent, and J- uh, GSK should probably correct that or explain why it's different. But to take that as a proof that the vaccine is dangerous and that there are deaths that are kept secret, that's ridiculous and pure fiction. It, you know, and they must know that when they when they publish this uh, picture. Also, uh, the Wikipedia page about SIDS links to several studies that show that vaccinations against diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, which this uh, vaccine is protecting from, they that actually reduce SIDS. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they just and, and you know so reducing just, cases of pertussis tends to help um, prevent child death as well. Considerably more than 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 I think people give credit for. That's the other the, the other side of the coin. <laughs> coin is you mm-hmm. know vaccinating your kids drastically reduces their risk of of dying in diseases or also, and that's of course not mentioned at all. Why would it be? Yeah, it doesn't fit well with the with the agenda. Yeah. So so it only goes to show that they they don't have any facts behind what they're trying to 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 spread so so for mm-hmm. dishonestly spreading ungrounded fear and on top of that with illegally stolen pictures of a healthy baby claiming that it has died when it has not corvelva gets today's prize for being really wrong or rather the such a real dick prize <laughs> but yeah the real dick prize we don't the have that yet. Maybe price. we should... Uh... Such a jerk. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Oh, well. Thanks very much, Pontus. It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by bensound.com. in or near Glasgow or are you planning to visit sometime then you're in luck because Glasgow Skeptics have got your Monday nights sorted we're committed to filling up every available Monday night with talks on science and scepticism past speakers include Eugenie Scott Jerry Coyne Michael Marshall Nate Phelps Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance PZ Myers Richard Wiseman AC Grayling Noah Heath and Eli from The Scathing Atheist Simon Singh, Rebecca Watson and a multitude of local academics and sceptics There's literally nothing better you can do on a Monday night in Glasgow that doesn't involve taking your clothes off So come join us We've also got a vibrant online community You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and get involved with the discussion Glasgow Sceptics Self-help for your brain Well, the the show is uh, coming to an end. 
But uh, I would like to encourage all our listeners to get in touch with us if they know of something that we haven't mentioned and should be mentioned on this show, uh, because it, ha- it it holds some relevance to European skepticism. And uh, if uh, any of our segments are really hit home with you and uh, you, you want to uh, contribute, please get in touch. And, oh, who's going who's gonna to say? <laughs> Jelena, where the are you? The contact details. <laughs> I have yeah, no, no, no idea how to reach us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, look, come on, people. Just Google Google the European Skeptics podcast. Seriously, if if you're intelligent enough to have heard this far into the podcast, you must know how to get in contact. <laughs> Consider it your homework to find out the contact information of the ESP. Yeah, all right. Or- okay, but in case, in case you're not capable of uh, running a Google search, you can get in touch with us <laughs> through Twitter at espodcast underscore EU. Uh, you can write us an email to info at theesp.eu. Uh, please visit our, visit our website, theesp.eu, where you can find a contact form as well. Um, you can subscribe to an email uh, alert, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, um, anywhere else, um, depending on what you use to uh, gather your podcasts. But please... If you listen to us through iTunes, or you don't, but you do have an iTunes account, please leave us a review there, because it would help us uh, get the word out. Yeah, it really helps. It really helps. And if you want to support even more than that, please go to patreon.com slash the ESP and pledge to, to give us one euro per episode. That would really help as well. Bargain. All right. Well, it's been fun. Oh. I forgot to tell you something, guys. I have an am- announcement to make. Ooh, do, you want a, do you want a drum roll? You're pregnant. <laughs> I am pregnant, yes. That explains I'm, a I'm lot. three months pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Especially when, <laughs> when I stand to scale. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, after a lot of consideration, I've decided that I will accept the nomination of uh, one of the political parties of Hungary. And I will run for a seat in the parliament of Hungary uh, in the spring elections that are coming up. Ooh, right. So I'm going to be a political candidate Wow! in April. Okay, so yep. are, are you going to have a, a bus with blatant lies on the side of it? I think that's a good idea. It worked well. It works well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It worked the previous well. election that I've... Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> And especially for a skeptic, it's it's really authentic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, actually, uh, what I'm going to try, it, I might end up failing miserably. Um, I'm I'm going to play it absolutely um, openly, and uh, I will apply my skepticism to whatever I say. Uh, so at least that's that's the the goal. And I I I figured that I might be able to get the word out the word of skepticism out, uh, even uh, while running for office in, in politics. And uh, I've been I've been advocating for that for a, for a long, long time, that uh, more and more skeptics should get into politics somehow. Mm-hmm. So I decided that it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is. So, yep. That, well, well, that's awesome. Good. I mean, uh, good luck. 
Ah, uh, yeah, g- g- good <laughs> luck. You. But more importantly, can you give us a guarantee now, Andras, that you're going to maintain the standards of the European Skeptics podcast, even when you're busy doing political stuff? Ooh. Actually, when I accepted this, um, I told everyone that this is something that I'm not going to leave behind. So this is very important for me. And uh, I'm still devoted to the idea of uh, developing the European skeptics movement into something something more than, than it is right now. So uh, uh, better organized stuff. And uh, at the back of my head, there is also an idea of that being possible through political connections as well. So political connections that I can make might be able to help uh, in that regard. So who knows? I, I I might come across as a bit naive. Uh, I don't mind that. I just I just want to do stuff. I, I just I just want the world to to be a better place than it is now. So wow, very I good. Do something about it. Awesome. Very good. We need we need more skepticism in in politics. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. And on on that note. Let's um, turn to uh, a quote that promotes something like that as well. A very healthy kind of skepticism. And since Yelena is not with us today, I'm going to ask you, Brian, to present us that very good quote that Yelena found. All right. So let us keep our minds open by all means, as long as that means keeping our sense of perspective and seeking an understanding of the forces which mould the world. But don't keep your minds so open that your brains fall out. There are still things in this world which are true and things which are false, acts which are right and acts which are wrong, even if there are statesmen who hide their designs under the cloak of high-sounding phrases. So that was, excuse the pronunciation, Walter Kochnig. Uh, in November of 1939, he was an Austrian-born educator and diplomat who held a professorship at Smith College. So, but is that is that the the origin of the nice. uh, of the the brains falling out thing? I've heard that so many times. I didn't realise he was the uh, the yeah. originator of that. Nice work, Walter. Could be, could be. Yeah. yeah, I think it's always attributed to Richard Dawkins because he he's the one. Who but in 1939, really even Richard yeah. Dawkins was quite a young boy, right? I think he wasn't alive then. <laughs> but yeah. So the Richard Dawkins time-traveling not... theory is still alive then. Good, good. Uh, yeah, could be, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and I really love how relevant this quote was to what I, what I had said earlier. Hmm. Yeah, we we are we, I really you, you are going to be held <laughs> to a higher standard than the average politician, Andres. I hope you realize that. I do, I do, and that's what I expect, and that's what I want want others to to experience in politics as well. I want others to be held to higher standards. Good we stuff. Need to, we need to elevate the standards of politics. Absolutely. And on that note. We have to end the show, even though we could be rambling on about this for a while. I'd like to thank both of you, Pontus and Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And uh, Brian, hope to have you back the sooner the better. Yeah, the next time that Yelena wants to slack off again, I'll be here. (laughs) No, we have to prove prove the public that 
Yelena and you are not the same person. You can be present at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so thanks very much. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. Until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Yeah, and now that I'm not the one editing the show... Or you're not. Did I agree <laughs> to do it? I can, I can. Yes, but I, actually I, you did. Yeah. Actually okay. you did, you did. All right, good. Thanks for reminding me. Damn it, then you have to sh- shape up, people. <laughs> yeah, look, we we're gonna we're gonna make zero mistakes here just to help you out, Pontus. Oh, that's and, and nice. Talking that's of nice. making, talking <laughs> of making zero mistakes. Just when when we're doing our little introductions, am I second or am I third? Because we've had problems with this before. Yelling is oh. usually second, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <coughs> now you have to sing, Brian. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> what was that kind of El- Elvis-like noise at the end there? <laughs> no, it, it it was a popping noise of opening up a bottle. <laughs> I do that because all Pontus, the time. Yeah, Pontus uh, drinks a bottle of champagne every single time we do a recording. A case of champagne. <laughs>